Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. I'm so excited to be here today with my special guest, Dan Wolf. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Brandon. How are you? Good, man. You just came out with a book not too long ago, Becoming the Change from Road to Awesome Publishing. You are rocking it and getting ready for school to start in the near future, and you, my friend, have been doing some amazing stuff. I thought it was really interesting to talk to you a little bit about on the pre-show that you mentioned this little fun fact that you've written 750 blogs and recorded 560 podcast episodes. I am impressed. You have surpassed me by a lot, like a lot. So anyways, we're going to dive into your, we're going to dive into your journey a little bit, but talk a little bit about who you are, where you're from and, and let's start there. Okay. Uh, again, my name is Dan Wolf. I'm an assistant principal at Sunray Elementary in Pasco County, Florida. I've been in education for 25 years uh, plus. And um, in my uh, career, I've been a teacher, a uh, instructional coach in mathematics, a district math specialist, K-12, uh, where I supported 18 Title I schools. And uh, like I said, I'm currently an assistant principal. I've uh, been doing that for a little over uh, 10 years now, and I am in the Preparing New Principals program here within our district as my goal is to, my next goal is to be a principal and uh, be a part of establishing a, an awesome school and being a part of that. Those are big dreams. Those are important dreams, and we need people like you to continue to do the work in the field that you're doing. So you had an amazing journey through your education space and getting to this point that you are and being able to have an opportunity to publish a book is a massive, massive accomplishment. And so I want to dive into this book a little bit because I know it comes from some of those stories that you had on those blogs and on those podcasts that you were on. So talk a little bit about the book From Road to Awesome Publishing, Becoming the Change. All right. Yes. uh Happy to do that. Um, and again, uh, with the, just the process in itself, like we were talking in the pre-show, is just I've learned so much in regards to it. And uh, the idea for the book actually came uh, during the pandemic. Um, previously, I had started writing a daily blog um, around uh, social emotional learning and uh, the five elements or areas, which are self-awareness, self-management, 
uh, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Um, I was a part of the district uh, curriculum committee K-12, where we wrote um, uh, SEL standards around those different areas because um, I believe you need to Maslow before you bloom. And if uh, academics is the lock, then um, I believe uh, social emotional learning is the key to open that lock to uh, reaching, helping kids reach their highest potential. Um, and so with the book and everything, how it is, uh, how it's set up is it has a self-assessment um, because one of the biggest things we try to teach our kids is we need to be vulnerable. There's things that we're continuously trying to approve upon. And, um, and if we, we have to be able to show our vulnerability um, in ourselves as well. So that's what that self, this self-assessment will do. It's in the five areas um, of SEL um, and where you are currently. And one of the nice things about the self-assessment, it's something you can take now. It's something you can take uh, six months from now, a year from now. And you, in your life, depending on your experiences, you're going to be at different points. In some of those areas, you may be uh, strong in stronger in than others. And I never look at the other areas that you might be lower in as weaknesses, they're really limitations. Um, and really we can uh, overcome those. Um, you know, from that uh, self-assessment and just to kind of for the listeners, just to explain what um, each of these different areas are, uh, self-awareness is like knowing our inner selves and what makes us tick. Um, the best way I like to look at it, it's like a mechanic um, that knows the inner workings of a car and we're, the, we're like the mechanics of our own lives. Um, Self-management is when we practice uh, this, is where we're in the driver's seats of our mind and actions. We control our own destiny. And I look at that as kind of like our inner selves. Um, now, when we look at our outer selves, you look at the social awareness piece, that allows us to look at things from another's perspective, um, helps us understand um, uh, you know, our place in the world um, through acceptance and unity. It's uh, providing empathy, not sympathy uh, within there. It's being able to look at it through the lens um, of whoever we're interacting with. I believe that's a huge component as an educator that we all should possess um, within there. And then relationship skills, um, that's where we have um, it relates to our inner innate qualities uh, to have with others and, our, and also ourselves too. And without this element, um, I don't, I, it's, you know, um, it's going to be a really rough life, you know, if you don't have those relationships. And then the last one is uh, the overarching principle or element of responsible decision making. Um, as Seth Godin once said, um, decisions are choices. Um, so we have to make a direct uh, effort in making the best uh, responsible choices we can have and lead our lives with an open heart and mind. So, um, so I talked about the self-assessment. So once you go into that, it tells you the different areas of where your strengths and limitations are. And then what you get to do, if you remember the books, uh, um, Choose Your Own Adventure from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where you'd get to a certain page and it would say, okay, if you go to this page, here's, you know, you choose this pathway or go to this page, it's a different pathway. Well, um, that's how the book is set up, where at the end of each chapter, um, the reader gets to choose their own adventure because it's their own life. It's their own pathway of whatever they want to focus on. So if they read the chapter on self-awareness um, as a strength, um, then let's say they finish that, they can jump into another one that could have been a limitation, or they can reread that chapter. It's all um, to best uh, fit the needs of, of the reader. Um, and throughout that book, there's also what are called compass checks along the way, because um, it's all about our moral compass. I look at these five areas um, 
as our moral compass at the epicenter is our self-awareness. And then each of the four cardinal directions are those four other areas because they serve as that moral compass of our own lives. Whenever we get lost along the way, they, they kind of help us. So that's, that's the premise of the book. Wow. That's a, a lot. You see me sitting here taking a, a copious amount of notes. So, <laughs> um, awesome. And a choose your own adventure style of, I love that twist. I can honestly say I've never seen an EDU book that has that. So I love that. So I'm going to, I know you're a quote guy. I know you love quotes. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quote from Brandon Beck that I'm creating right now. Okay. Sure. Um, and I say this all the time and I want to know what you think based on your work with social emotional learning. So here's my quote. It took a pandemic for schools, government officials, and leaders that are out there to say to us teachers that are out there in the classroom that social emotional learning and mental health are now really, really important. How do you feel about that, knowing that it took a pandemic for it to happen? See, and the thing is, you know, it's interesting because it's it's always been there. You know, we, in a way, I feel like, you know, even with without us going through this pandemic, whether you call it what we're currently experiencing now, a pandemic, epidemic with social emotional learning in those things, you know, um, it, it's at the forefront. And, and it's something that, again, because our ultimate test in life is not what is, you know, the test that their kids are taking and things like that. The ultimate test is going to be life itself. And are the academic standards, no disrespect to the academic standards, or is that what's going to promote that? Or is it to be that, that good citizen that we want them all to be, to put the needs of others before, you know, before themselves, to have those skill sets, to be able to manage their emotions, regulate things, um, because they're going to have to experience all that, learn to get along with one another, um, things like that. So it's always been around. It just, it just seems like it took this pandemic to really get the conversation going again, but it, it's never really gone away. And I don't think it ever really will because the, the kids need this. They need this now more than ever. We had the social media and all the different things out there before the pandemic happened. And you saw less and less student engagement talking with each other. Oh, I'll just text them. I'll go ahead and face, you know, I'll go ahead and uh, send them a text or whatever, and or go ahead and put something content out. And, and um, like I would tell my students all the time is um, if you're putting posts out there to try to get likes, that's not what the purpose is behind it is to put your thoughts and feelings out there. And the likes are if you're going for you should not be going for likes, you should be because that should not be building your self-esteem. You should be doing that internally and being able to know that you matter um, within there. So hopefully I answered your question in regards to percent. You totally okay. did. Okay. I just think that, you know, this is a great place for this conversation to go since I consider you a social emotional learning expert and the ideas and your book is totally built around, you know, the castle framework. It's totally built around the ideas of, the the different elements of social emotional learning and you know whenever i talk about social emotional learning i and i share the story sometimes and i don't think i've i've never shared the story on this podcast but i once had an administrator that pre-pandemic was telling teachers that they would only have a total of 25 minutes 
a week in their schedule to work on social emotional learning. And to me, when I heard that, I've always that's always sat in the back of my mind as mm -hmm. one of the biggest jokes because we're now taking social emotional learning and we're, first of all, the one problem is we're isolating it. We're right. isolating it and saying like, oh, this lesson is just about social emotional learning. No lesson is ever just about one thing. And then the second side of it is 25 minutes, right? Like 25 minutes. Where'd you come up with that number? Yeah. Like 25 minutes for a week. So what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Five minutes a day. Right. So, and I, and I, and I had a lot of struggle with that. That was like very self-defeating to me. That was very frustrating for me to hear that someone actually thought that was okay. Mm -hmm. And then we had the pandemic and now everybody's saying, oh, no, you can have 30 minutes a day. You get 40 minutes a day. Oh my God, take as much as you need. And I think that's because now, obviously, we all realized after kids lost this social connection and this social face-to-face -face connection for so long that it, it created massive impacts. So talk a little bit about some of the impacts of this time from remote learning, virtual learning, pandemic, people wearing masks, not wearing masks, all these uncertainties. Talk a little bit about what you've seen as the impacts for kids that you've seen negatively. Well, it, it's it's just it just really what it really did is it just um, that some of these these uh, gaps that we were actually bigger than we had realized even before the pandemic with a lot of those interactions, being able to relate to one another, going from being on a screen and really not having that engagement to then being expected to be engaged within in the classroom setting. Um, there's a lot of things we had to um, take into account, um, like even like some of our kindergarten students never had the opportunity to go to pre-K. So they never had that chance to go through, even in that setting, of what those you know rules and expectations were, um, it also allowed us as a school instead of what instead of calling them rules and expectations, we actually call them commitments, because we feel that the word commitment is more binding with those you know as far as with you know those those expectations. Um, it also um, allowed us to intentionally plan around uh, certain things because. Um, one of the things that I always say is intentional planning leads to intentional student outcomes. So even within our schedules um, for the classroom, we have uh, time built in where they're going to, we like to call them community circles, um, where we go ahead and have the class together and, you know, and whether they want to or not, you know, it's up to them, but we have certain topics that we talk about within each of the classrooms and it might even be about the day or what they learned or it could have been something of problem solving something that might have happened out at the recess or whatever and it gives opportunity for the class to talk about it because it's they're one community they're one family just like the school's a family so it's it, it's a lot of those things because a lot of the skills that there we always talk about uh gaps in academic learning and yes we saw that because of the pandemic but we also saw it in the social emotional realm with those and we had to build those in because again like i said earlier you can't get to the academics until you address those areas first because that's the that's the precursor to the future success for that child we talk about the whole child it's the academic and it's the social emotional together to go ahead and make that whole child yes and i believe what you're referring to is that idea of relationships before content 
how can we expect any of our students to do anything that we want them to do or do anything that we want them to achieve if we don't even know them, if we don't even know their story, if we don't even know who they are and what makes them tick. And I, it's interesting that you bring up community circles because I think that's been a big wave that's happened since the pandemic because it's a very, very simple process. And if you're not out and if you're out there and you're not familiar with community circles, it's basically exactly what it is. Kids are sitting in a circle and everybody has a chance to speak about the topic or pass. And it goes around usually in two or three phases and each question builds upon each other. But if you think about it and reflect upon it, and I'm looking at it now and thinking about what I just said pre pandemic, and now it's okay for us to stand be it's like a, a, a really positive practice to get the kids in the classroom to sit in a circle and have everybody chat, have a talk. It sounds very basic. It sounds very simple. What were we missing the whole time? Why did it take us so long to figure out that kids needed this? And why did it take so long for kids, for schools to shift from, you know, the objectives on the board and the lesson plans connected to standards and the writing of the lesson plans to now getting kids to just be in real moments mm -hmm. and share and connect. And it's like the million dollar question that I'm not sure if there's an, a real, there's a very deep answer to, but I'm going to ask you the question. Why do you think that now we've, we've shifted this way? Well, I think one of the things also was just um, it with the pandemic and everything, it put its pause on standardized testing, you know, and that is something I can say, at least within our state and everything is something every year that is at the forefront of teachers' minds because a part of their evaluation system and things and how we're evaluated as a school, it, 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 it's part of it, you know, how the kids perform. So that becomes the focus, that becomes a driver, which is not the right work, but it's, it's something that, you know, the only thing we can do is control ourselves. We can't control those outside factors within that, but it does impact. And I think what having those those tests canceled or paused or whatever you want, I think helped tremendously to, to make us realize that. And it's to, to go back to that delicate balance and, and things like that. Because I always would tell my students, even when I was in the classroom, and I do it as an administrator when we talk about school grades or whatever else that are generated from the state, we are more than a number. You are, you are a person. It's about that is one piece of data, data that it doesn't represent who you are because you matter who you are as a person. And like I said, if I had a choice for my own personal child, whether I wanted her to go out into the world with being awesome academically or being an awesome person, I would choose being an awesome person every day of the week because that to me is gonna have a lot more of a, a lifelong lasting impact on others, you know, to be that change we wanna see in the world. Yes. I would also prefer that my children become awesome people as well, far before anything else. And it's sometimes a really thin line for people to walk into now that after this pandemic, that this is what schools are saying. This is what mm -hmm. not every school is saying, but it becomes a really important job yourself as a school leader and other school leaders out there. How do you make that message clear to to the teachers that are in the classrooms that it's okay 
to do these kinds of things. Because for some, this is a big shift from what they were used to doing. Well, and and yeah, uh, I think one of the things is just being uh, transparent with them. Um, one of the things that as a school administrator, one of the pr uh, promises I made to myself and I make to my staff when I uh, left the classroom was to never forget what it was like to be a classroom teacher. Because I think sometimes, not that it, it happens unintentionally sometimes with certain administrators is that they forget over time and they get, you know, they, they, they just kind of lose their way in a sense. And I think it's just being able to have that conversation with them and letting them know that that we are encouraging, that we support them 110% to have, um, to build in that time within there. That's why we put it within the schedule because they have that uninterrupted time. It's being able to, when we start school in a couple of weeks, that first week is about establishing those relationships. It's greeting those kids at the door, telling them how much you're happy to see them. It's all those intentional moments that we, we try to go ahead and just, because that's what's gonna matter. and. The, the return on investment within that for the confidence of that child and everything will will transfer over into the academics. It will happen, you know, um, and again, it's it's about that growth and um, what you're able to see within them, that confidence. And again, it goes like I said before, it goes beyond that number. You see a child that was shy or whatever else beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, they've come out of their shell. They're more confident. They believe in their because they know that they have um, an advocate in in, in um, you as an educator that you're, you're right there. It's, you know, it's like that pretender song that says, I'll stand by you because that's what you're doing. You're standing right by them uh, every step of the way. I think that's what's going to matter because it's all about the relationships. Yeah. No, it's and it's a shift. It's a shift for many of the educators that are out there. And you as a school leader, as you're going into your schools, starting your schools, one thing that I notice happens a lot with social emotional learning is everybody's all in at the beginning of the school year. Right. Everybody's all in at the beginning of the school year. We got the you know, we're going to do the icebreakers and the name games and you know, all of those things where we're getting to know each other. But then what happens, and I haven't come up with the term for it. I guess it's a dry spell is probably what I would call it in my experience. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is people get into the content and they get going. And then adios, social emotional learning. Here we go. Because I think part of it is what we were saying, that old school philosophy that social emotional learning is an isolated thing. It should be done. By, it's done by itself which couldn't be more further from the truth. So how do you kind of recommend teachers, school leaders, and people out there in schools, how do you recommend they keep that flame lit? How do you recommend they keep going to continue to promote social emotional learning practices throughout the whole year? So it's an everyday thing, not just a beginning of the school year thing. Well, yeah, and, and I even think when you were saying that, it even uh, I think of it from the academics. It, it's from from for all the different areas. We we start strong in so many things, and then like you kind of go into that like you're. It's like that lullaby that you're lulled to sleep in a way. Um, so for for the social emotional learning, uh, one of the things we have within our school and within our our state, it's called a, um, you know we got a million acronyms in education. So one of them we is PBIS. Uh, it's positive behavior intervention supports, and we actually have a PBIS committee 
Um, I'm a part of our student services team, like social worker, school psychologist, school counselor, a representative from each grade level, uh, instructional assistant, office staff, per one representative. And what we do is we go ahead and have monthly um, conversations. I, I know it, they're, they're considered meetings, but it, again, it's more or less a conversation about um, a temperature check of where we are progressing in the different areas, how the resources are being utilized, looking at trends as far as where our kids are for social emotional uh, supports. What kind of resources do they need? Are there certain uh, students that are beyond the tier one level of assistance and have moved into tier two, tier three? And it's a constant conversation. It it's a part, it's not separate, it's a part of everything else we're doing within our student services team, uh, within MTSS, that multi-system, uh, tiered system of supports, um, as well as our uh, PLCs, you know, the, the, you know, the public learning communities and things like that. It's all cyclical within there. So it's a constant conversation. Again, it's not just part of the academics. We also talk about the, that uh, behavioral aspect, that social emotional, because again, whole child, so again, if it's not planned for, it's not going to happen. So we intentionally have these already on the calendar when we have these meetings um, to discuss things and talk about next steps. Um, it's even having that reboot each quarter. Um, we even have something in place where as new students come into our school, at the end of the month, I get a list of who those new students are. And we do like an orientation to go ahead and welcome them. Um, and go over those commitments that we have as a school with those different strategies within that social emotional realm so they're part of that community because it's just making sure never to forget. We do, do it if we happen to get new staff too. So they're all part of that. So it's not something that just happens in the, in the moment, in the beginning, but it happens all year long. It's kind of like in a way, like everyone, every school has their school improvement plan that they create or whatever beginning of the year but it's a living, breathing document that's constantly being adjusted based on the needs of the school. So that's what this is too. We're constantly adapting and growing. It's like being a chameleon in a way, just adapting to the environment and the supports of what our kids and our staff need. Yeah, no, absolutely. There is, there is not really a formula for how you're going to figure out what every kid needs social, socially, emotionally. You know, there's, there's, so many different pathways and there's so many different angles and sometimes it's a whole class approach sometimes it's a small group approach sometimes it's a one-on-one -on -one approach and i think what what i believe and i love about what you're saying is just being avail available open and accepting of that and you know lowering the filter of understanding like certain things you may have to back off of and focus more on other things as especially as administrators walk in the classrooms you know and just realize that those things are what are going to lead to long-term better results in the future and i appreciate that we talk on this episode on this show we talk about educators that are out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve and you were mentioning someone who wrote some praise for your book and and someone you connected with throughout the process and a guy by the name of Renix Franklin. Talk a little bit about Renix. Okay, uh, uh, Renix Franklin is a, a school counselor uh, in Hillsborough County. It's right next to uh, uh, County uh, in Pasco. And uh, I just happened to get connected with him uh, through Twitter. 
He's at Mr. Franklin 400, a great uh, follow and everything. And just, he has a specific focus on social emotional learning. Um, he's so supportive of the teachers, the students and families that he serves. Um, and the content that he's sharing is just really inspiring and really sparks some great ideas, you know, to continue to um, promote this great work and just um, helping helping kids uh, reach their highest potential. And that, that that's what our goal and our why is as an as an educator. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Renix. Thank you for all that you do, my friend. And for those of you out there looking to follow him, you will see his information in the show notes along with all the ways you can follow Dan as well in the show notes. I feel like I blinked in this word. We've been on this show for 30 minutes, but I could talk social emotional learning all day because it's such an important topic. And when you talk about social emotional learning, we have to talk about unlocking. We've been talking about unlocking unlimited potential. So if I were to ask you to finish my sentence, I do this on every show, unlocking unlimited potential means. What's it mean to you, Dan? I, uh, it means uh, limitless possibilities to becoming your best self and being the change you wish to see in the world. Um, I think the only limits we have are the limits we put on ourselves. Um, you know, um, you know, and I have a saying with our uh, the the kids that I serve. Uh, you know, both when I was in the classroom and as an administrator, um, if it's to be, it's up to me. Anything in life. You just need to go out and get it. Nothing's going to ever be handed to you on a silver platter, but you can make um, the world into what you want it to be um, through your thoughts, your actions, and just being who you are. Yes. No, that is such a quality response. I appreciate every part of that, and I appreciate all of your insights, and I think it's really valuable for people to understand how important social-emotional learning is and how important it is to to get to know your students and develop those relationships. We talk about relationships. Everybody talks about relationships, relationships all the time, but really what we're talking about is that social emotional learning, getting kids, getting students, getting educators to understand who they are and what the words mean that come out of their mouth and what those words mean about who they think they really are. And for some of them, it requires that change. If some of them, it requires that shift in that language, that tweak in that language to get them to where they want to be. And I think that's really, really critical and an important message that I hope people take away from this podcast. I hope people take it away from reading your book as well. So Dan, what's next for you in the future? Uh, well, uh, like I said earlier in the beginning of the show, uh, right now I'm in the preparing new principals program. Um, you know, within my county, as I'm learning to become a principal, um, so I have, I'm looking forward to engaging in some great work. Um, and uh, you know, so and I just uh, recently started at a new school about two months ago, so I'm, I'm excited to start a fresh year uh, with my, uh, the staff and the kids and everything. So. Um, and right, right now, just um, hoping people, you know, definitely um, uh, uh, take a look at my book and everything uh, becoming the change. And I'd love to hear their thoughts on it. And just like I said, if it inspires one other, you know, just people in general, that that's all that matters to me. Um, but just just want to try to just best serve my community. That's awesome. And what's the best way for people to follow you? Should they follow you in social media as a website? What do you recommend? 
Um, uh, which uh, my big one is Twitter. Um, so it's at serve, lead, inspire. And with serve, it's without the E. Um, it's not that I can't spell. It's just that that's the limited characters on there. So uh, serve, lead, inspire. And within there is an actual link where it has all um, my information. It has a link to um, the book where, where it's available on Amazon, uh, the blog, the podcast, and then other uh, podcasts I've been on as well. Um, so definitely uh, would love to love to connect. Awesome. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time to share all of your insight and talk with me about social emotional learning and your book, Becoming the Change, I think really touches on that. And I love the way you broke it down. So I appreciate you for doing that. And I appreciate you for joining me on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. No problem. And to all our listeners out there, if you have not signed up for the Something For You newsletter, what are you waiting for? Head on over to brandonbeckedu.com. You can find a link that you will be right when you jump on the website. It'll pop up and it'll say you can sign up or you can just sign up anywhere on the site. But the most important thing is that when you sign up for the Something For You newsletter, you're going to get helpful tips, resources, and totally cool insights that are going to come to you on the 1st and 15th of every month. And most importantly, it is all free. So jump on it, join us, listen in, learn, reflect, let me know how, what you think about what you hear. And also for all of those educators out there, remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited potential begins with you. I hope that you all continue to educate with passion and I hope you have an amazing